Thank you for listening to Mailbox Money, your guided tour through safe, sacred, and speculative investing with a plan and a purpose to do more good with newfound peace of mind. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mailbox Money. I'm excited about this episode. I say that every time. I just get excited talking money and finance. But this one is particularly interesting to me because we are talking about crypto assets and how in the world these can be incorporated and integrated into a portfolio, an investment portfolio. My name is Ryan Kruger, and I am extra excited because I get to listen to the jungle guide this time. And I defer to the expert in this space. Um, I've been a money manager and built an investment planning firm after we escaped Wall Street for almost three decades. And never in my career have I had the opportunity to witness and participate in a brand new asset class. And the only thing I'm good at is handling the safe and the sacred money. And as Jackson Wood perfectly came into my life several years ago, explained, you know, everything you've taught me about the safe and sacred, I think we can open a couple of new doors for speculative assets. And safe and sacred and speculative go hand in hand. And the peace of mind from one unlocking the door of opportunities to another. I couldn't be more excited about launching and backing and investing in Jackson Wood as a portfolio manager and one of, if not the first advisory firm actively managed crypto portfolios, the Freedom Day crypto account that I'm going to be the first investor in and give you my money because I've, I've, learned a few things in the investment world. And when you're in a, a brand new land, find the natives, L let them be your tour guide. And when I landed on this island, as confused and curious as I was, as a self-proclaimed digital dinosaur, I not only found out that Jackson was a true native for since 2011, 2012, firsthand front row seat in the crypto world, but just kept pouring and digging deeper didn't come away with a conclusion that you've stuck by, but you keep exploring. And I know back from the old TradFi, as you like to make fun of the dinosaurs like me, Morningstar has deep dive studies on all money managers and all asset classes. And one clue of significant opportunities to outperform is when you find a money manager with their skin in the game. And that's what I'm most excited about backing you with at first. We want to always explain in this show how anybody could learn and do a lot of this on their own. We really do believe that. We think that is one of the most underestimated investors. Um, if you come to believe, as we do, that trusted expert guides in areas that you really, really want to dive into are of help, then we want to do that too. And we'll answer those questions as well. But first, Jackson, walk us through this gigantic project that is called a lot of different things in the crypto world. And I'm going to sit back and listen, and I'll hope for the other listeners, I'll, I'll poke in and ask you to clarify, or then I'll add my table pounding excitement when you get me excited about this, which ain't, which ain't hard. No, I appreciate that. So the, the crypto asset world is a little bit intimidating, but the, the concepts from the traditional finance world are, are the same. It's just the digital version 
of concepts and, and topics and, and things that we've been doing for centuries, just digitized. So the term crypto asset simply refers to an asset, whether it's a currency or a token that represents equity ownership uh, in a, a project, but it's digitized. So rewind the clock to 2012. I'm an economics undergraduate student. I'm don't have very many friends because I spend all of my free time listening to economics and, and investing podcasts. And I stumble across this thing called Bitcoin. And at the time, nobody knew anything about this. I just happened to, to find this. I got encouraged by one of my cousins and then fell down this rabbit hole. And this thing came called Bitcoin was created. It was created in 2009 as a result or right after the great financial crisis by an anonymous person or team of people called Satoshi Nakamoto. That was their internet name. Um, and they created this protocol, this decentralized currency that all of a sudden started kind of catching on and people started paying attention to it. And Bitcoin was the name of it. There had been a few previous iterations of digital currencies or cryptocurrencies before Bitcoin, but they were centralized. They were you know, done by a certain company. This was the first time that technology had advanced enough to allow the creation of a decentralized money. Bitcoin is hard to grasp because there's literally no tangible coin or gold bar or slip of paper. There's nothing. It's all living on the internet. Um, and the reason that I was drawn to this is because there was no centralized entity controlling this. It was all done through a program, through code. Um, you'll hear you'll hear people in the crypto world say code is law. This is the code that Satoshi Nakamoto created and released to the public in open source form was or and still is what governs Bitcoin. So some of the things I like about Bitcoin is it's completely digital. So anybody around the world with access to a cell phone or an Internet connection, even now you can do it with a analog computer and a satellite dish can access this monetary network. It incentivizes individuals around the world to secure it. So you've heard of Bitcoin miners and Bitcoin nodes. This is people around the world in true decentralized fashion helping secure the network. And as long as it remains secure and as long as people are devoting energy to secure this thing, they can be rewarded monetarily by the code. So it incentivizes both sides of the equation here. It's not, and I, I hope I'm not getting into the weeds here, but it's not controlled by a central bank. It's not controlled by a government or a corporation. This is a true grassroots movement. And as more people started to realize this and, and the power of this, the stronger the network got. The more people joined the network, the more secure the network became and the higher the Bitcoin price rose. I remember 2012 Thanksgiving day, walking up the stairs at my parents' house, my iPhone 5 alerted me, got an alert. I had this app that would track the Bitcoin price that it had gone from $8 to $14. And I, I just looked at it. And I think at my job at the time, I made about $7.25 an hour. And I just thought, shoot, you know, I missed the opportunity to make some good money. The price nearly doubled here in a day. Um, but since then, I mean, it's just been billions of dollars pumped into developing this and securing the network. And Bitcoin really paved the way for all of these other digital assets to exist. And it is a very serious emerging asset class now, like you said, something that we don't really see happen very often. Well, I, I, I'm going to give some dinosaur color commentary as we go. 
the first several times I heard somebody talk about some of that stuff, Jackson, I was turned off. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I, I do, as as my life as an equity fund manager, I, I, I do have a couple principles, though, that help me at least stay curious because I know and have learned it's not what we don't know that kills us as investors. It's what we know that just ain't so. So I never close my mind. Thank goodness I eventually met you. But all those different turnoffs, and it sounds confusing and weird. I mean, I was around when there was another project, and I like to think of some of this as a project, which yeah. businesses started out as projects too. Industries, asset classes more rarely, but oh my gosh, if we find one of those, <laughs> the flywheel effect is pretty extraordinary um, for the next century or so. But in 1990, and I still have the birth certificate on one of our walls here of a project that started out with a line, World Wide Web Proposal for Hypertext Project, and a bunch of gibberish that I also didn't understand, along with the ensuing predictions of their idiots, gloom, doom, crashes. Um, so I'm staying curious again, because <laughs> what happens next might be really, really special. So continue. Yeah, so so Bitcoin started off as one of those, you know, random things that only strange people in weird corners of the internet learned about. And to my economics brain, you know, I was reading books about fluctuating currencies in, you know, emerging markets and how difficult it must be to run a business when your currency fluctuates by 30% over the course of a month or Argentinian bank defaults or whatever it was, central bank defaults. To me, this just started to make sense. But admittedly, it only made sense because I was living in kind of this world of you know, understanding these economic problems, learning about them, listening about them. And then over the course of the next decade plus, developers came in, other investors came in, and they realized that this technology, this blockchain technology, this distributed network that's secured by the community can be used for many other applications besides just money and creating sound money. So. People now view Bitcoin as a deflationary sound currency that's decentralized and trustless. And that's the number one investment thesis behind owning some Bitcoin. It's just a stable currency. We're seeing companies in the S&P 500 put some of their balance sheet into stable into Bitcoin countries. It's legal tender now in some countries or at least one that I can think of. So the people like this and they like that component. But then all of a sudden we realized, wait a second. On top of these blockchains, you can build protocols, and these protocols can be secured by an entire community. And so, this is a bunch of words. And and um, like, well, and, and let, hey, let me jump in because and two things. One, my favorite part about your perspective is you did not come into this with a convinced mind either. I mean, you actually came from traditional finance as well, so you are not a Kool Aid drinker. Um, but you applied the history and the knowledge to what could be, which is, I think people need to pay extra special attention to those few out there. When I started to kind of get my head around what I think you're going into next was, you know, if internet version one was the ability to read stuff, message each other. And I've got the original picture of the two colleges that the whole project, the birth certificate was to transmit the word login. Yeah, And it, it, it got fouled up and there was a crash and there'll be problems here too. And it, it came across as only LO 
And that's how the internet was born. Then, then the second version of the internet as we come to have been consumed in our lives changed forever was really write. So read, write, and I would translate write into also share a bunch of pictures and images and stories and brag, but you could now write and read. And this third version that I think the crypto asset world will make possible can be ownership and removing hands in your pocket, removing little layers, big layers, removing friction points. And that's where my biggest aha moment came. So it's 2014 and I am you know, deep into these Bitcoin forums and, you know, following along on Twitter and Facebook best I can to see what's going on in the Bitcoin world. This guy named Vitalik and his partner decide, Vitalik Buterin, uh, who wrote for Bitcoin Magazine, was a Bitcoin believer, you know, early adopter, you know, very, very popular in the Bitcoin community, decided he was going to launch this new project called Ethereum. And they had this really cool website. My, my laptop at the time was, you know, about this thick. And the battery lasts about two hours, so you had to plug it in. It was a, it was a uh, oh, I wish I could remember the brand, Gateway Computer. Um, so my computer couldn't even load this website because you know it had these fancy graphics. And they said, hey, we're, we're raising money for our new project called Ethereum, which is a blockchain with smart contract capabilities. And I thought, what in the world is a smart contract? Like I understood Bitcoin, and I understood the idea of sending messages back and forth on the internet, but I didn't understand building websites on the internet or building businesses on the internet or, or sharing files on the internet. So I go into Facebook, I find the co-founder and I say of Ethereum and I send him a message and I said, can you help me understand what a smart contract is? Like, I'll show you the message. Um, he didn't reply. I told you this guy was a native. <laughs> yeah, I didn't reply. I was, it, nobody knew what this was. And the people that I would talk to were so much smarter than me. They were explaining this in technical terms. I'm an economics guy, finance guy, I'm not a developer, right? So I watch front row seat to the original Ethereum offering. Ethereum, you would send a Bitcoin, and then you had to figure out how to get your own Ethereum wallet. You had to figure out all these technical things that was a it was a new blockchain. I wasn't even comfortable yet with blockchain or with Bitcoin's blockchains and hardware wallets and soft I don't even know if hardware wallets existed at the time, but software wallets and all this stuff. But now we have this competing or or sister coin called Ethereum, that's smart contract powered. It's written in a different coding language that allows these smart contracts to exist. And so it launches and you sent in Bitcoin to this random address, you had to trust them, and then they would just send you these Ethereum, right? <clears throat> and over the course of the next few years, it gets built up. And the first big monumental thing that happened with Ethereum was called the DAO, right? And you're hearing DAOs all the time now, but these are decentralized autonomous organizations are basically like a fund. If you wanted to get a project filled or funded on Ethereum, the idea was they'd raise all these funds in a DAO, and then the DAO would have voting power to fund other projects that would run on top of Ethereum. And we realized that a smart contract is just a simple piece of logic that exists on the blockchain. It's an if-then statement or just a simple organization. So these, these smart contracts can, at the time, enabled like a fund to exist on top of the Ethereum blockchain. And the idea here is that traditional world of funding and, and contracts and business, you had to trust someone. You had to go to an entity and you had to have a specific license and you had to all, go through all the regulations. On Ethereum, you could 
code up this contract or this rule and it would exist. And if people liked it, they could contribute money. And it was a smart contract. So if money came into a wallet, it would only get released upon certain conditions being met. And code is law again. So all of a sudden people started to realize that you could build effectively businesses and platforms on top of a decentralized and distributed network that wasn't you didn't have to trust them. You didn't have to play by any sort of regulations or anything. It just you could create it on the internet and anybody around the world could access this. So unfortunately, the DAO gets hacked in 2016, I think, and like 15% of the Ethereum tokens get hacked. Ethereum splits. Uh, so you have they did a, what's called a hard fork. So now you have Ethereum and then you have Ethereum Classic, and the whole community got divided. It's growing pains of you know, these smart contract enabled coins. And anytime you introduced to a blockchain an additional function, so Bitcoin, send money back and forth. That's about it. Smart contracts exist, plus you can send money back and forth. You you create these new attack vectors. And so the Ethereum kind of path has been very bumpy. It's been hacked, it's been split, hard forks, all that. But all of a sudden, what that unlocked in the minds of developers and savvy investors is this gigantic opportunity just like the internet was seen as an opportunity um, to build businesses and to build completely digital companies that that exist on the internet and don't really exist in in the physical world, um, the same opportunity was seen by investors and by developers. And so, from 2016, 15, 16, going into 2017, and 17 is when the world really started to catch on. We realized on Ethereum you could do token offerings. So you'll hear the term ICO or initial coin offering, similar in traditional finance to an IPO, where you could raise money to start a company. You could create all of these really good fundraising metrics and, and tokens now can trade. They're called ERC-20 tokens, and they exist on top of the Ethereum blockchain. And they represent voting rights. They represent ownership rights. They represent notes payable like in a debt instrument. They represent gaming tokens that you can cash in to get new Fortnite or video game skins like you do in Fortnite. They represent all kinds of things. Now they're representing NFTs and music rights. There are things like social tokens that exist on these. So over the course of like Bitcoin being launched, no nine, me seeing it in 2012, Ethereum being launched in 14, the ICO or the DAO hack and the ICO boom, all of a sudden fast forward to 2022 and we're in this position where there's an entire economy that has been created that exists on top of these blockchains that has never been possible to exist before. The technology just wasn't there, right? It's as if the disruption, I, I like your example with the internet because every single industry that we know, radio, TV, newspapers, were all disrupted by the internet. A lot of people thought that the internet would exist side by side for those traditional, you'd have the radio where you get some news, you'd have the TV, you'd have newspaper, and then you'd have the internet. What they didn't realize was that the internet was going to disrupt and make better for a lot of people, all of those different industries. It's the same thing with blockchain. We thought that blockchain would exist in, uh, it, it, well, side by side with banking and with finance and with fundraising and with music and with whatever industry you can think of. But what we're beginning to realize and the reason we're so excited about this is because the technology, just like the Internet, made all of those existing legacy businesses better. 
blockchain is about to do the same. And we're just now beginning to understand its full impact on industries. And that's one of the reasons that we're so excited about this. Well, and if you've ever found yourself wondering during the middle of a mortgage process or real estate title, insurance, there's got to be a better way. If you've ever found yourself saying those things, the, the last and the biggest opportunities are these big entrenched, I mean, the bank system, I, I started my career, I can assure you, there are a lot of unnecessary middle layers <laughs> that we're paying for. Yeah. The potential to disrupt them and destroy them, and it won't be easy. And that's why we're so, so, so early. But therein lies the biggest opportunities. I mean, those, those, some of those plumbing systems, Jackson, you and I have talked about, and they're 60, 70, 80 years old. You better believe better technology is out there. It's just those big, fat, wide, entrenched moats that are going to take the longest. But as we've always said, and that's why we believe in tournaments in the stock market, we know that moats can spring a leak. And this would just be the mother of all moats in some industries being disrupted. And that opportunity would be enormous. And and, and how early? I mean, I, I look at a couple of other projects that I know a lot better and just combining and comparing the two worlds, one of my last aha moments and clues was for all the different ways and times that if crypto wasn't real, it should have died, it didn't. So that told me a lot and I started to look, I mean, projects like Apple Computer and Microsoft, pretty successful disruptive projects, took 43 years to reach a trillion dollars in value. It took Bitcoin 12. That was telling to me. And I think some of these words like you use token, they throw they throw dinosaurs like me off the scent. When I hear that, I think back to Chuck E. Cheese. And and it 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 doesn't give the significance and the weight. And that was a mistake. Don't take that. You know what else is 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 kind of you know could be just as good or bad? You know, words like IPOs. IPOs can get you killed too. But that that is the that is how a a company comes public, that is another opportunity that could be disrupted. So don't be thrown like I was with words like tokenizing. Basically, that's just skipping a bunch of expensive, unnecessary steps and bringing a project in the ultimate of public platforms, crypto. I'm in a Fidelity training class before they let me get anywhere near a phone. And they say, do not say the word equity. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Why can't I say equity? And they're like, say stock, you know, um, a token, I think the crypto industry is a little bit guilty of having jargon and, uh, you know, laser beam profile pictures on Twitter and, you know, saying GM and, you know, all their, their lingo. But one of the things that helps me and that I love is that crypto is not trying to do anything other than make the system better and more efficient. You know, we're not reinventing lending. We're not reinventing borrowing. We're not reinventing funding or raising money as a company. We're just saying, hey, look, the technology that we have in 2022 can make this better. You could not invest in the internet in 1990s. What you had to do was go out and pick the companies that you thought were going to survive. And, you know, if you picked 100 of them, maybe two or three of them would survive because you couldn't invest in the base 
asset that made all of this possible, the internet. Um, with cryptocurrency, it's different, right? There's a monetary incentive. So you can go out and you can invest and hold the tokens. You can hold the layer one token. And I know that's another term of jargon, but you can go out and buy Ethereum tokens that help power this entire Web3 and digital economy being created. So for the first time, um, you're able to invest in the base layer protocols that make this disruption possible. One of the things that I like to talk about, I know we've got just a couple minutes here, but the bridge between the traditional finance and the decentralized finance world are stable coins. So rewind a little bit to me sitting in the library at BYU, not studying, trading Litecoin, Bitcoin, and Ethereum on, a, on an exchange. It was a Russian exchange. It's gone now. Um, and every time I would make 50 bucks on a trade, I would think, oh, I could go, you know, I could go buy a steak now and I don't have to eat, you know, canned chicken. Um, we realized that at some point that we needed, you know, there's some really good things about the traditional financial world. And one of those is an instrument called the dollar that's not very volatile. And if you're placing a trade or you're investing or you're borrowing, you need some sort of instrument that's not going to lose 50% or, you know, in fact, go up 50% within a week or so. So these things called stable coins were born. And what they do is they peg the value of a token, a digital token, to the, val to the value of a fiat currency. And the most popular one is obviously the dollar. But now with the invention of stable coins or the digitization of a dollar, we can go out and power the crypto economy. And we can really see what the traditional financial world has been doing for years and decades now can exist because there's an, a pegged you know, non-volatile currency that powers things like lending and borrowing. And in my view, I see it as a bridge between the digital economy, um, taking the best parts of the digital economy in this technology, but also some of the best parts about the traditional world, things that we need, and perhaps maybe a lot of the crypto people take for granted, of dependability, being able to sleep well at night, understanding something's not going to lose 30% of its value overnight. And we can merge them together. And the merging and, and these crossroads present a tremendous opportunity for savvy investors who have built their right portfolios going through our three S's and can afford to take some additional risk and invest in something that we believe is going to benefit humanity, benefit ourselves, disrupt industries to the benefit of the individual participants at the lower, you know, at our level. Right. One thing that helps me sleep well at night is the idea of getting paid while you sleep. This yield component alongside direct ownership early may be the ultimate speculative asset to put next to the safe and the sacred and all of them in our world converging into this mailbox money of consistently being paid while you explore. You've got your core, now you can explore. Um, I've never been more excited about a new opportunity, which is a huge compliment to you. Um, and we look forward to sharing everything that we're learning and doing and when the official launch of Freedom Day crypto assets actively managed portfolio is official, we will be delighted to share exactly what we're doing and we'll be first in line. And I cannot wait to back you, my man.
This show is brought to you by Freedom Day Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm advising individuals and families nationwide. Performance is not guaranteed and past results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. To learn more, visit freedomdaysolutions.com. This show contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and was shared for informational purposes only. Any forward-looking statement or opinion expressed is subject to change without notice. Nothing contained herein constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice, nor is it to be relied on in making investment or other decisions. Clients of Freedom Day Solutions may hold positions in the securities discussed.